for the next 10, 15 minutes, I want to talk about fighting for purpose. But purpose is our theme for the year, and, and I wanted to make sure that we understood this is a fight with a purpose. But this is about fighting what I call the resurrection fight. Can you say that with me, please? Come on. Fighting the resurrection fight. In our life, you decide what's important to you and what you want to fight about. During this season, several thousand years ago, Jesus decided that you were worth fighting for. <coughs> Excuse me. You were worth every effort. And so, in Gethsemane, Jesus faced a decision. Do I quit or do I go back? You ever had that question? Do I keep going forward? Do I keep trying or do I surrender? Oftentimes when you're in the middle of a fight or a challenge, the problem is seeing the value in it. It's hard to see the new job when you're unemployed. It's hard to see the money when you're broke. It's hard to see victory in the marriage when the marriage is bad. It's hard to see a good day when you're having a bad day. It's hard. And anybody can get up here and, and give you some sermon that sounds like, okay, well, just be positive. Well, sometimes you don't feel positive. Sometimes you just feel bad. You look in the mirror and you see yourself and you think, Lord God, help me. And you just can't see a new you. What do you do in those moments? What did Jesus do when it looked awful? He fought. And I think that it's important for you to learn, you can't expect your pastor to do all the fighting for you, your parents to do all the fighting for you, your employer to do all the fighting for you. You've got to learn how to fight for yourself. And so you've got to be clear in your mind what's important for you. So let me ask you a question. What's wrong with your life? What needs, what's, what's buried beneath a whole lot of issues in your life? When Jesus in Luke chapter 22, when he came to Gethsemane, there was an, a horrible, horrible reality in front of him. The reality was he was about to face one of the hardest days of his life. But he had this tremendous ability to look beyond what he saw, to look beyond the, the bad feeling, the bad moment, and see a potential. And those are the people that make the difference in the world, the people that can look beyond the bad moments, the moments when it's awful and difficult, and they can see. If you look at Luke 22, verse 41, it says, when he was withdrawn from them about a stone's throw, this is when he was in Gethsemane, he knelt down and prayed. And he said, Father, if it's your will, take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Then an angel appeared to him from heaven and strengthened him. And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. And the sweat became like 
great drops of blood falling down from the ground. And while he was still speaking, a multi behold, a multitude came. And he who was called Judas, one of the twelve, went before him, before them and drew near to Jesus to kiss him. But Jesus said to him, Judas, are you betraying the Son of Man with a kiss? And then verse 54 skips ahead and says, having, been, or having arrested him, they led him and brought him into the high priest's house. But Peter followed at a distance. And when they had kindled a fire in the midst of the courtyard and sat down together, Peter sat down among them. And a centurion servant girl, seeing him, said, by the fire, sat by the fire, looking intently at him and said, this is one of them also. This is one of those guys who was also with him. But he denied him, saying, woman, I do not know him. Press with me to verse 63. Now the men who held Jesus mocked him and beat him. And having blindfolded him, they struck him on the face and asked him, saying, prophesy who is the one who struck you and many other things they blasphemed they blasphemously rather spoke against him what a bad day where's the resurrection way out in front of him where's the victory a long ways away he looked beyond this terrible day he had to fight past isolation and depression. He had to fight past betrayal by Judas. He had to fight past personal denial. He had to, he had to fight past personal abuse. What a story. Several weeks ago, I was driving. I was in Minneapolis, Minnesota, and I was introduced to a young to a guy who was our driver for the day. We were there to do some work and to um, some meetings and didn't know my way around. So we had a guy drive me around and drive us around to help us get to the different meetings we had to attend. And in this drive, the most amazing thing happened to me. You know, when you talk to people, sometimes you underestimate them. He looked like an average guy, an Hispanic guy, didn't look assuming, unassuming, just really laid back, had a broken English. And we start talking. And he started telling me his story, and I knew something was going to happen to me as I listened to this story. He said, I was 45 years old and could not read. He said, I could not read. I, I um, met a black lady. Her name was Joanne. And Joanne um, would come home and she had groceries and she couldn't get in. She could barely walk. And she, I would help her with her groceries. And I would, wherever I would see Joanne going into the apartment, I would help her. And he said, one day Joanne asked me something as we began to know each other. She said, can you read this? And he said, no, I, 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 I cannot read. He was here illegally. He was working, but he just couldn't put it all together on his own. And so she said, can I teach you to read? 
a school teacher. She taught students how to read and get their GEDs. So Joanne taught him to read for free. Every day, Joanne would coach him. And then he said, when Joanne taught me to read, Joanne says, now you need to get your GED. And then when I got my GED, Joanne told me, he said, now, now you need to go to college. I think he told me he owns 10 cars now. He was the owner of the company. Come on, clap your hand like you mean it. Come on. He was the owner of the company. <laughs> I just sat there and thought, dude, you got money too, don't you? Look at you. And I, I just paused and said, not that I judged him in any negative way. I just didn't know who he was. One woman made a decision that resurrected his life. One disabled, barely can walk, black woman made a decision that changed his entire existence. One person investing in another person. One person who was suffering in agony and challenge looked beyond their own challenge and saw this young man. He told me she died a couple of years ago. Amazing. But he's still living. Her sacrifice changed his life, his children's life, his in-laws' lives, his family's life, his employees' lives. One woman sacrificed and made it possible for him. The question is, are you like Joanne? Are you the kind of person who's been transformed and you're transforming the lives of others? You're saved. And now you're saving others. You see, the death of Christ would mean nothing if it didn't change anybody else. The resurrection of Christ would mean nothing if nobody's life was ever really changed. You see, to me, Joanne was used by God to save him. She couldn't save his soul, but she sure changed his life. Jesus' death on the cross and his resurrection is about one message. I'm going to save you. You go save somebody else. Come on, amen. Joanne was isolated. He said no one visited her. So you can argue that she felt betrayed and abandoned. And for whatever reason, for you to be this kind of person and have all those issues in your life, you could feel abused. But somehow she found her strength. 
What's your excuse? When you pray, is your prayer to find somebody that needs help? Or is your prayer for God to give you more stuff for you? What's our prayer as a church? Is our prayer that God would give us more so we can consume more or so we can invest more in others? You know, one of the reasons why I think so many people don't like church and why I think church attendance is going down across the country and why I think people don't give and why I think they don't like guys like me much sometimes. Our ranking has really gone down. There's an assumption that we're not thinking about anybody but us. There's an assumption that our existence is to talk about a resurrected Savior, but not to change the world. And I want to say this with no disrespect. I didn't grow up in church. See, that's, 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 the, that's my secret sauce. I, I, I didn't go, I did not go. I, I did not go to church until I was 15 or so. That's a long time. What did you do on Sunday? You played basketball. Resurrection, dressing up in clothes, all the stuff that we celebrate for 15 years of my life. It was nice. We prayed at home, like you streamers. <laughs> Without streaming, we just prayed a prayer. And so when I came, I was surprised. I didn't know what to do. I, I, I mean, I, I, I mean, I wasn't. I, I mean, we were God fearing, but I mean. You guys have a lot of moves. You know, choir coming down. I thought, what in the world? That's new. <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> That's cool. I loved it. But my wife was raised in church. And so church people can, be, can make broad assumptions. But uh, we are raising a generation coming behind us is not church people. They're more like me. When I first saw people dancing in church, I thought they was on drugs. <laughs> That's my first assumption. I said, ooh, they got some bad drugs. Look at that. <laughs> that. That was my interpretation. Here's a question. <laughs> There's a moment in your life Where every single thing that you think is true gets tested. And when it gets tested, the question of what really matters really is important. And if we don't have an answer for that, if we don't understand that people are different in the world, and if we don't embrace the fact that our resurrection means nothing if it doesn't translate, into a world that makes a difference. And so, let me ask you this. Get your notes for a second. It's all good stuff. Read it later. If, if I were to ask your cousin, 
If I was to ask the people that you work with, what would impress them? What are their needs? Would they, would they say another church service? Would they say, would they say we want to hear another song? No, they wouldn't. Here's what they need. An answer for their life. It's that, it's, that, it's that hurt person today that's in this room or streaming in who says, Pastor Rick, I know Jesus rose, but you think I can rise from this depression? I know Jesus rose, and I'm glad to hear the story. But can I rise from this sense of worthlessness? Can you, can you, can you, is there a possibility? I like the story about Jesus in Gethsemane. I get that. I, matter of fact, I can relate to Jesus in Gethsemane a whole lot more than the resurrection because I still feel like I'm grieving all the time. You prayed for a job, you got it. You prayed for children, you got it, and you're still miserable. I spend a lot of my time counseling sad and, 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 and broken preachers whose lives are just wrecked. They got everything, got thousands of people, got big churches, and still miserable. I see a lot of wives and husbands who worked hard to get to where they are, but they're miserable. Here's what I want to happen on Resurrection Sunday. I want you to walk out of here resurrected. I want you to walk out here with, with a resurrected Jesus in your life. And I want your life to be changed forever. I want you to smile again. I want you to be happy about your God again. I want you to be happy about your life again. And then I want your cousins and your nephews and the people that you know to see that resurrection power in your life. I want them to see God smile on your face. People ask me sometimes, aren't you, aren't you excited about your life? I said, you mean preaching? Is that what you're asking me? Do you mean do I want to get up in front of a bunch of people and put on a suit and hope it look good and hope everything is? Do you think that, oh, did I comb my hair today? Do you think that's what's impressive to me? Do you think, look at this to me. This is fine. But I said, no, I really, now this is the truth. I love preaching nice. But I would rather be a happy person. And that's my goal in life. I want the resurrection joy of Jesus. I want the power of God manifested in a smile on my face. Come on, say amen if you're hearing me, church. That's what I want. And so, bow your heads with me for a moment. Father God, today, there's a lot I could say. I teach enough. They got notes forever. They can read them later. What matters today is you died to free people. That's what matters today. Some of us don't need another religious song. We got more tapes and CDs. And we need deliverance, joy, freedom, victory, happiness. Shake us free today. The Bible said that on the first day of the week, Jesus rose. And I pray that this would be the first day of the week in our lives. God, heal hearts today. How could our marriage be so bad? We've been, how, how could this be? How could we be in such a bad state of mind? Father, I pray for people today that when they leave here, they'd say, Jesus, today I start new with you. And may your resurrection and all your suffering that you've gone through for me touch my life today. May I never be the same. With every head bowed, every eye closed, I'm going to pray a prayer. 
And I want you, if you want me to pray for you because you want to get your life going in the right direction, join me in this prayer. Father, today I surrender my life to you. I ask you to be the Lord of my life today. I ask you to change my life direction. Give me that joy that Pastor Rick was talking about. Give me that happiness that Pastor Rick was talking about. Let me live my life in a way that brings glory and honor to you. Thank you for your hand upon me. Because that's really all that matters. At the end of the day, that's all that really matters. There are a lot of broken people in here today. There's a lot of people in here, Lord God, who have family that need resurrection. There's a lot of people in here today, God, they don't know which way to turn. But right now, let this be a time of healing and forgiveness for them. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Come on, say, in the name of Jesus. Come on, say, in the name of Jesus. Now, with your head bowed and your eyes closed, if you say, Pastor Rick, that is me, that is me, that is me, that is me. That prayer is for me. Giving my life to Jesus, starting my life in a new direction. That prayer is for me. Just put your hand up and say, yeah, that's me, Pastor. I get it. Lift your hands up high. Let me see it. Lift your hands. Let me see you. Wave them up. Yeah, that's me. That's, there's about three dozen of you, Kevin. Three dozen of you. Father, touch them all in the name of Jesus. Lift your hands high again. Let me see my first you. Father, touch them. May they leave this place changed. May they leave this place transformed. And may they never be the same. And those that are home, may the same be true for them. And we give you all the glory. May their sins be forgiven, their lives be changed. In Jesus' name, everybody say amen. Did you enjoy today? Say amen if you got something out of that. Praise God.